0: I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Michael Swain of Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24 seven sports podcast network. Good evening Wildcat and Jayhawk fans and welcome to The Drive sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com and the man that is not here with me tonight, is Michael Swain. Michael is somewhere between Reno and
1: Kansas. We don't know where. Mike, are you out there? Well, Fitz, I'm bummed I can't be there in person with you tonight, but really excited to talk about what was a pretty interesting weekend in the world of KU and K-State. Yeah, it sure was. It was very
0: interesting. And we've got a lot to talk about, but you can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show at Twitter at the drive 13 and of course answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember if you ever miss an episode of the drive, you can listen to an audio only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at GoPowerCat.com and fog.net. And I hope Mike's back to post that because he's just out there. He's so scared. But we start things off with our two-minute drill, the first segment of the two-minute drill sponsored by
1: Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Fitz, Kansas State completed its two-game series with Missouri on Saturday in Columbia with a 30-27 Mizzou victory after a crazy 61-yard field goal to capture the win for the Tigers. So, did K-State miss a chance to steal this road win? Did
0: yeah, Michael, they really missed a chance. They missed a huge opportunity because they weren't precise enough. They had some fortune with the tip pass on their first touchdown, but that was really the last bit of fortune they had. They couldn't run the ball with any consistency. In fact, Will Howard had the longest run of the day. Will Howard finished the game gimping around and hardly able to run or walk. Uh, it was painful to watch. K-State's defensive front was really good against the run with the exceptional one play but the back end of this defense caught fire because they got torched so bad at times in this game. First of all, Luther Burden from Missouri is an NFL guy. If my Chiefs don't pick him, I'm gonna be upset, but he was dominating in this game. K-State kept taking the lead. In fact, in the second half, it looked like K-State may well be in charge of this game, and then they just couldn't convert third downs. They got themselves into big trouble on third downs. In fact, and I'm gonna be honest, I'm a huge Colin Klein fan in terms of how he calls plays. We see one right there with a little jump pass to Ben Sennett. But I thought on third down, the play calling was pretty awful. And it was really Kansas State's offensive third downs that were so painful to watch at times, and Kansas State's defensive first downs where Missouri gained about 75% of its yardage in the game. And they allowed Missouri to get the ball back towards the end of the game. They allowed the Missouri kicker to line up at a 61-yard field goal, and he made it. What an incredible way, if you're a Missouri fan, uh, to win that game. They charged the field. They stormed it. They had a fun time. That's what college football is all about. But let's say, Michael, Kansas State catches that. Phillip Brooks was back to catch the field goal because 61 yards, he's not going to make it, is he? Well, what if he catches it, returns it for a touchdown? Does K-State win? Well, no, they wouldn't have because K-State had two number eights on the field. That's a five-yard penalty. So if he'd missed that 61-yarder, which he was backed up already because Missouri thought it had a timeout and got to delay a game because it didn't have a timeout, they would have got to re-kick it from 56 yards, and he would add another chance. Painful way for K-State to lose, but... They're 2-1. They lost to an SEC team on the road. You wouldn't think it would hurt them, but they dropped out of the polls. I'll have more on that later. Well, Michael, Kansas never trailed against Nevada on Saturday night, but was on the ropes for a good portion of the game. The Jayhawks pulled out a 31-24 victory in the end. But, Michael, how worried are you
1: about the performance? Well, Fitz, I can't lie. I'm honestly not that worried about it. For me, I look at this game maybe in a little bit of a bigger picture perspective where... KU's not going to play a game again this season where the kickoff time is at 9.30 for the player's body clock. I think that really did play a role here where KU's a morning practice team. They practice every single morning and here they are having to practice in a totally different uh, time frame than they're used to. And it's different than... Practicing and then playing a 7 o'clock kick, right? This is 9 30 on the West Coast. So I think for me, I look at this overall and I say, what were the parts of the game that KU did not live up to expectations? I think for starters, it's execution. And I think so much of that was mental lapses over the course of the game, which again, I think you could probably tie back to fatigue, where you look at the penalties. I think there are really kind of a couple big stretches of the game that were determined by penalties. Early in the game, KU's on its second offensive drive. Armage Reed Adams has called for a holding and an illegal man down field penalty, both on back-to-back plays. And so you're looking at that really, really tanking KU's first drive. And then later in the game, KU has Nevada in a fourth and about one or two, about near midfield. They need to get off the field, and Nevada may not even snap, but they're just trying to draw KU off sides, and Austin Booker bites. And look... It's one of these situations where it was not crisp. KU needs to play better if they're going to win you the know, Big 12 games that they should be able to win. But this is the performance of a team that, look, I think probably overlooked Nevada a little bit, And right? Nevada's not a great team. But holistically, the offense still was able to put up over 30 points. The defense still looked athletic. So thankfully, not necessarily super concerning, but KU needs to play with a lot more intensity in Big 12 play. I'm with you, Michael.
0: I'm not very worried about this. This, These kind of games just happen. And and the biggest reason I'm not worried about it is Nevada has been awful this year. I don't think their coaches were out there exposing some great weakness that nobody else has seen in the KU team. I think it was one of those nights where you played like, uh, they're kicking off at a ridiculous time. Uh, I'm with you. I'm not worried about it one bit. I'm not worried about K-State's loss, but I am worried about some of the stuff going on in the Big 12. And it wasn't a banner weekend for the Big 12, with Cincinnati, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State all losing to group of five programs. Plus, KU, of course, was on the ropes against that bad Nevada team. And I mean, they're bad, but they weren't on Saturday night. And of course, KU lost to Missouri. So, Michael, what does this weekend say about the Big 12?
1: Yeah, Fitz, I'm not too high on this weekend for the Big 12. I think it was a real struggle. For a lot of teams that I think we thought would struggle, but not to this degree. If you watch that Iowa State game, they just can't run the ball. The defense is still good, but if they don't have a run game to support it, Are they going to be able to hang in throughout the course of games? Oklahoma State looks terrible. And then you look at Cincinnati, you know, losing to Miami of Ohio, just not a great game for them as well. So I think you're really seeing the Big 12 kind of start to sort into tiers where I think you're really looking at Iowa State and Oklahoma State being towards the bottom and Cincinnati being in the middle. And then maybe you factor in a KU or K-State lackluster performance. But I think collectively we all feel like those two teams are going to be really, really good over the course of this season. Well, the good news is is we don't have to wait very long to find out who's worse. I
0: always say to Oklahoma State, they'll play next weekend. We'll get to them in the picks. How can we not pick that game? Uh, But I am generally worried about both programs. These were two programs that were recently in the Big 12 championship, and they seem to be coming apart at the seams. We saw Matt Campbell kind of go after a fan after the game for for chatting him, and I think the fan was completely out of line, but Coach Campbell's got to have a thicker skin than that. Oklahoma State seems to be in a horrible tailspin under Mike Gundy. I think both coaches will survive this season, but it's atrocious to watch. On the other hand, you had a couple really nice wins for the Big 12 in Pitt going to West Virginia. And I would have loved to have been there in that environment in Morgantown. And now Pitt has lost to both Cincinnati and West Virginia. And let me tell you, neither one of those teams are very good. Pitt must be awful, but good for West Virginia getting that victory. And also, you've got BYU rolling into Arkansas. They did what Kansas State couldn't do. They went to an SEC environment and won. BYU comes to Lawrence next week. So there are some upsides to this. But, Michael, I'm already getting the feeling that this conference is going to be total chaos all season long, other than maybe Texas being good. But Alabama struggled with USF. So was Texas's win against Alabama that great? I don't know. Well, we're going to find out. Now let's take a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Last week's question was, should college football teams be scheduling games on Friday nights? Two-thirds of you thought yes. I personally find that a little surprising. I think they should, but I don't want it, so maybe I would have answered yes too. But here's this week's question. Who will win the Big 12 in football this season? You got Texas, Oklahoma, K-State, and then D. Your last choice is Kansas or the field. Um, if you feel like KU is going to win, or if you if you're going to go with Iowa State, good luck with that. But you get to answer D also, and you got to do it on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. And that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill. But we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on the drive. The drive fueled by BriggsAuto.com. We are back and we continue our weekly two-minute drill with me here in Manhattan and Michael somewhere between here and Reno. But this segment of the two-minute drill is sponsored by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for
1: more than 60 years. K-State finished Saturday's game with quarterback Will Howard visibly limping. Fitz, do you expect Howard to be available for Saturday night's Big 12 opener with UCF at the Bill? I don't know, Michael,
0: I really don't know. Uh, Will Howard, I'm going to be blunt here. He wasn't his normal self throughout this game. He was a little bit off target quite often um, and just didn't quite have the precision we've seen from him in the past. I don't know what that was about. None of us saw when he actually got injured, but by the fourth quarter we realized he's gimping pretty good and the team doctor had been working on him on the far sideline where we really couldn't see. So Will Howard still played. They put in Avery Johnson in some running situations where he was doing quarterback reads. Does he put it in the the gut of the running back, or does he pull it and run? They kept it pretty simple for Avery, but he was effective. And honestly, a lot of us couldn't figure out why, once Will Howard was injured, why they didn't go to that a little bit more often. In fact, there was a crucial series late in the game where Avery Johnson got him in third and short, they pulled him off the field, and then Will Howard and the offense didn't complete the conversion and we thought why not just leave Avery out because they're not stopping him right now. In fact, Avery finished the game with the highest per rush average of anyone. So Will Howard did come to post-game media. We did speak with him, but he came down the stairs that led from the locker room down to the playing surface, a weird setup at Missouri, and it was visible that it looked like his knee was locked up. We couldn't tell if it was an ankle or knee. And, and just the way he was handling that in game and in the post game and how I know that injury is gonna get worse after he tightens up, I don't see how he'll play. And also I wanna add in that Casey has an off week next week and UCF is gonna play their backup quarterback back cause their starters injured. So I think they might just go with Avery Johnson even if Will Howard may be available. Maybe he suits up, maybe he steps in if something happens to Avery. I think they'll go with Avery Johnson on Saturday, give Will Howard hopefully two weeks to rest heading into a Friday night game at Oklahoma State. I'm not sure how it'll play out. We'll find out more this week during press conferences, but right now, what I saw on Saturday, he's a no-go for Saturday. Well, Big 12 play starts this week for KU as the Jayhawks host BYU. What should be the expectations for KU in conference play?
1: well Fitz I think I'm starting to change my tone a little bit with KU this season I think for me I look at conference play and for a long time I kind of thought overall KU would win probably seven games go seven and five maybe go four and five in conference play and I've kind of flipped that now where I really think that this team could go five and four in conference play if not better I saw enough during non-conference play to really like the improvement on the defensive side of the ball right that had to happen for KU to have a lot of success over the course of Big 12 play. The offense is what it is. And so you look at this team overall right now, and I think they're going to play in a lot of one-score games, coin flip games, as I call it. This BYU test, right, this weekend is a really, really good indication of how maybe the rest of the big Twelve play will go. You look at BYU, right? They're a physical team. They've got a good quarterback in Keaton Slovis, and if KU can win that game, all of a sudden you're looking at going into Austin, most likely ranked. I still probably would pick Texas, but then you go back home and play a UCF team that may not even have their starting quarterback, depending on how his injury recovery goes. That could be a win. Then they go to play Oklahoma State. Look, I don't think Oklahoma State's looked very good at all, and so that could be a win, and so I think there are so many more of these games now that you look at and say KU has shown the improvement that you needed to see during non-conference play to feel like this is a team that can go and compete to being kind of that top third of the Big 12. Look I don't know how the Texas and Oklahoma games are going to play out or if KU is going to beat K-State this year but I think KU is going to be able to beat up on some of the poor teams right they play Iowa State they play Oklahoma State play Cincinnati to end the season. Then there's a Texas Tech team in there that nobody really knows what to expect anything from. And so overall, I I look at this team and I think expectation, right, the base level should be four and five in conference play. Uh, I think that I'm going to be leaning more towards that five and four slot. Really impressed with what KU has shown during non-conference play.
0: Well, I think KU is a good team, Michael, and I I don't know where they'll end up in this conference, but I I won't be surprised if they're battling with Kansas State and Oklahoma and maybe Tech – to play Texas in the Big 12 Championship. I think both KU and K-State are going to be ranked in the top 20 at least when they meet later this season. in Lawrence, I'm excited about having that game to cover. And now let's step out of bounds and out of bounds is brought to you by Daris Corner Market. They love local and they're local for you. And Colorado won a thrilling game against in-state rival Colorado State. But it was also the third time in three weekends that Fox's big noon kickoff covered a CU game in Deion Sanders' debut as the Buffalo's head coach. Is there already
1: a level of fatigue over the media's coach prime narrative? You know, you mentioned fatigue fits, and I think for me, I'm starting to get a little bit of it. I think this is really good for the future of the Big 12, having a big personality like Deion Sanders that can draw eyeballs to the television where maybe, you know, two years ago, if you mentioned a KU Colorado or a K state Colorado game, maybe wouldn't have a lot of eyeballs, but yeah, I think having, you know, big noon kickoff be there for, for two successive weekends in Colorado and following Colorado around for the first three weekends. Yeah, that's a little much. And I think, college game day going there they felt like they probably had to get a taste of the action too but i'd be fine if neither one of those pregame shows went to boulder or another colorado game again this year well my quick thoughts are this one uh, i love this story it's
0: great for the big 12 with colorado coming in next season two i thought the espn broadcast was incredibly unfair to colorado state they treated colorado like the only storyline while csu was winning the game and showing that they were competitive so I look, I'm all in on this but enough. Coach Prime is bringing big ratings. I can tell you that. Now let's hear from the fans and our fan question is sponsored by Metalark. Retirement away to Manhattan where you can live your way every
1: day. All right, Fitz. Our question this week comes from Thomas in Manhattan. He asks, "Colorado fans storm the field after beating Colorado State. Are you serious?" Uh, Thomas, I'm kind of with you. I thought it was a little
0: strange. I mean, it's Colorado State. Yeah, it's a rivalry game, but it's one you've kind of dominated. But as someone pointed out, Colorado has stunk in football for about 20 years. So they're enjoying every possible moment. And plus, I'm I'm kind of a fan of storming the field. As long as it's done safely and there isn't too much interaction and bad interaction between fans and the opposing team, let the students have some fun. College football's fun. They should have some too, and I'm all in on it. Remember to ask your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at the Drive 13 and when we return we look at our predictions here on the Drive.
1: Welcome back to the Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com.
0: Well, it's time to head down the home stretch of this week's show, and now let's take a look at our predictions. Predictions are brought to you by Kites, meeting your friends at Kites since 1954. May, remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Here are last week's results, and I think we found out why Michael wouldn't show his face this week. Although his dating app photo we're using is awesome, uh, the fans went one and two. Uh, I went one and two. Uh, Michael went zero and three and so we'll let him back but he's going to be back on the show next week he couldn't come with us tonight let's get on with this week's picks and i won't bring mike in for these let's do this real fast here k-state plays host to ucf k-state's a six and a half point favorite michael's got k-state i've got k-state maybe two backup quarterbacks it's still going to be a great game Um, and welcome to the big 12 ucf next up is kansas playing host to byu byu's first big 12 game KU's an eight and a half point favorite. I'm a little shocked at that after the win by Arkansas. We're both going to take KU in that game. Um, I, I Look, I, I don't even know what to expect from BYU. I didn't think they were that good. They go into Arkansas and win on the road, make a statement. Maybe this team's a bunch of road warriors, so we'll see how it pans out next week in Lawrence. Our last game of the week is Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Iowa State is a two and a half point favorite at home. That's basically a home field advantage. This game is awful. It's so bad we couldn't resist picking this game. I I don't know who's going to win, and honestly, I don't care who's going to win. Michael went with Oklahoma State. I'll just take Iowa State to be the opposite. I think uh, if an asteroid hits Ames, we'll all be better off for it because we won't have to watch this game. Don't don't watch this game. I I'm sorry to the network that's broadcasting it. I can't I can't even imagine how bad this is going to be. Again. Make your picks on our Twitter page at the drive 13. And now it's time for our on the clock segment on the clock is sponsored by carpet one by local for a strong local community. And we're going to start with Mr. Michael Swain of fog.net somewhere in the Western United States. Michael, take it away.
1: Well, I'd like to talk about the NCAA and some just terrible travel rules that they have that are going to have to change and it's a bummer it didn't change before KU's trip to Nevada this weekend. Basically, in short, teams that are traveling from central time zones and eastern time zones out west are going to be at a disadvantage on the way back home because of night kickoffs potentially on the west coast. Teams will have to pick. Do they get back home at 6 a.m. the next morning? Or do they stay the night and travel back the next day, giving their players a little bit of sleep? But the issue here is that regardless, the team will have to practice on that Sunday. And that's exactly what KU did on Sunday night when they got back home from Reno. They had to hold a practice because of some crazy NCAA rule where it technically counts as a team day. So therefore, if they don't practice, they just lose a day of practice this week. So KU got an early prep for BYU. I think they'll take Monday off, but this is the type of rule that's going to change. And it's pretty crazy. It hasn't changed already with how many new teams are going to be traveling from east to west in college football. That's a weird rule, Mike. I don't even under –
0: that doesn't make sense to me. So, obviously, KU stayed the night and then flew back if they had to practice on Sunday night, so that's crazy. But this is going to be something that the entire Big 12 is going to have to deal with. There will be five Mountain or Pacific Time schools in this conference starting next year. I think the Big 12 needs to sit down with its TV partners and decide how are we going to handle Big 12 after dark because I love the fact we got Big 12 late games. But this old man could barely make it to the end of that KU game, let alone the Colorado game. So the Big 12 is going to have to sort this out. I don't think there's any way you should make Cincinnati, West Virginia, or UCF coming from the Eastern time zone to play a 930 game. In fact, I think 930 games for Central Time are outrageous. If you're playing in the Pacific, it should be 830. All of them should be 830. But I'm here for late night football. We'll see how the Big 12 and the NCAA can sort it out. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here, hopefully with Michael, and all week on social media.
1: If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts, So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.